Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Jeremiah, interesting book of the Bible. I didn't pick this on Mama's Day, but I will tell you this, not to uh, say this in a way that is negative, but to say it in a way that is positive. Uh, men are different from women. Women are different from men. Can we all agree? Thank you very much, because the world don't agree, but y'all know that's true, right? There's a reason why there's a male bathroom and a female bathroom, and no matter what you do to try to fix it, just being honest, genetically speaking, chromosomes speaking, you ain't going to fix stuff that's wired within. You got what I mean? Just not. Now, this is a very over blah, 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 okay? So when I say this, I understand I'm generalizing a lot. I don't cry a whole lot. That's just my personality. If I do, it, it's probably some war movie. Some dude didn't make it. You know, that gets me, man. I'm like, <laughs> you know, Haley, she don't even like watching that stuff. That Hallmark movies, man, listen, I look at it and think like, you're an idiot. This guy, I can figure out this thing where he goes. And I, I tell Haley, I said, I know what's going to happen. There's a few of them there. She, like, I do. I go like, no, that's interesting. Well, they put some plot into that. But I don't cry at like, you know, sappy stuff like the notebook. I didn't cry at that. I, I don't get that movie. I don't understand because I'm a I know some guys would. That's okay. I'm not picking. I'm just saying most guys, most of the time, I'm not a cry. Some guys are. Jeremiah was a little bit more of a guy who had some emotions that would come out in, in the area of not crying necessarily, but in crying, but he was very passionate in how he displayed his emotions. Now, on the flip side, I'm generalizing. I know it. Don't hate me for it, okay? Just being honest. But... Ladies, is it not true? If you see a certain commercial. Oh. It just, it just, not every time, I know not every lady does it. I get it. I'm just generalizing. I know it. And it's not powerful to do it. It's not politically correct to do it. I get it and whatever. But it's most part, and here's the beauty of it before I go any further. God created us male and female, no, not right or wrong. The beauty of it is this. If you really look at it, I don't have time to get into this. The beauty of it, if you look at the female personality many, many times and compare that with the Holy Spirit in the Bible, you'll see the attributes of the Holy Spirit more in the female personality, whether you, you know, agree or disagree with that. In the male personality, you'll see a little bit more maybe attributes of <laughs> the Lord, and it's, it's, it's maybe in the dad, the father. doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's feminine, but watch this. Um, he did say he made us in his male and uh-oh. So for all the fellas in here, might want to think about that. Say, well, what does that mean? Because I'm a little confused already in this world we are now. That just means God knows how a female works and he knows how a male works. And ladies, you can try your dog on us, but sometimes we just, we don't get it. Period. <laughs> fellas, can I get an amen? Uh, ladies, you already know this true, right? Can you get a... Lord, y'all know the truth there. At the same time, at the same time, ladies, you can try all you want to. Sometimes you're going to look at us and scratch your head and go like, what was he thinking? You're never going to understand fully us because you're female and we're male. And there's not a thing wrong with that. Let the world tell you that. Nothing wrong with that. Be who God created you to be. Don't put down the other one. Understand they're different. Nothing wrong with that. Why am I saying that? Because Jeremiah doesn't fit the natural bent, if you will, 
towards a typical dude. He definitely was heartbroken over Jerusalem, and it came out in his messages. Jeremiah, in his book, is mostly prophetic. There is, like, I don't even know if there's any stories in Jeremiah. It's just prophetic words. It's crazy how much prophetic word is in there. Lamentations, which is what I'm not going to preach on, you can just read it. It is like the hallmark card of Jeremiah. He has poured everything out on paper for you to read. I'm not even going to preach that. It's just wailing, you know. But that's Jeremiah for you. And nothing wrong, it's just his who he was. He just how God wired him. Now, as we get into Jeremiah today, I just want to lay that in as, a, as an introduction, okay? But Jeremiah gave so many prophetic words, and in this prophetic word that he gave, I'm going to start with this and talk about Jeremiah and how God formed him, okay? So Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So hang tight. As Christians, this is why we believe life begins where? At conception. That's what we all believe as Christians, at least you all too. If you don't, watch this. Before you were even formed in the womb. So back up a little bit further because God is the father of spirits. In other words, you breathe because of anatomy, but breath doesn't come without the spirit. Adam was formed on the ground. He was lifeless. There he laid in a big old pile of mud and dirt, ladies. You want to know why we are the way we are? There you go. I'm just being, why does a guy get out there and act the way he does? Look, he just, y'all watch this. That's what he does. We're formed out of dirt. We just can't help it, you know? But he was laying there lifeless. Nothing about him was doing anything until God said, then he came to life. Physical bodies cannot exist without spirit within. That's just the truth. Before you were ever born, he said, I consecrated you and I've appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah is not the only one that's called. All of us in here have some form of calling. And that doesn't mean you're going to be a prophet, but it does mean that God has called you to something. It could be your job, could be your marriage, could be whatever, your your family church, whatever it is he's called you to. He's spoken to you, he's called you, and he knew you before you were even born. Before you ever thought in your mom and daddy, mine, he knew you. And then he says this, look what Jeremiah says. So God has a plan for him. And he has a plan for you, even if you've never heard this before. Watch what Jeremiah says about this plan, though. This is very interesting. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6. He said, then, alas, Lord. That's a really big, important word that just says, hopefully you'll accept what I'm about to say. Alas. Alas, please, O Lord. He says, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say that I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you to speak, you shall speak. Jeremiah was called very much like Moses. Moses tried to play the I can't talk good either. You know, like I can't speak. I'm not good. I'm not eloquent. I, you know, maybe I stutter. Maybe I got speech impediment. I don't know what was wrong with him. But the funny thing I think about Moses is when he was in Egypt as the prince, he never had an issue then. Not one time. Jeremiah gets called out by God. And he's trying to play the young card. I can't speak. I, I'm a young guy. Like they ain't going to listen to me. He said, you can't use a youth as an excuse. You can't use your speech as an excuse. No matter what we say, God is not going to accept that. Funny how it is to me when God calls us and talks to us. Isn't it funny how in the world we can go just fine, but when God asks you to shift and use that in his kingdom, it's all of a sudden like, well, I don't know about that. Give you a case in point. Before COVID hit and all the world went upside down and had a fit of craziness, we all would get together at what? Ball games, sporting events, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if your mom... Listen, if your baby played a sport and you're a mama in the room, I'm going to let you pass today. We'll just pick on the dads, okay? 
But you know, if your baby played a sport and you saw, and it could be T-ball, it didn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered if it was like they were sitting up there and just holding the ball for him and a little junior. It it didn't matter if he's your kid. What did you do if he even got a bunt with the ball? Ah! That's my baby. I mean, you sit up looking like a crazy person. The daddies do that. Mamas never, never do that, right? Just that. Why? Because we're like so excited. We're like, whoa, we go to football games, man. And like, man, we cheer. I don't know why we do it. Because our t- if you go to the Falcons game, you know what's going to happen. You're going to choke on the big one anyway. It don't matter. You can be great all year, and you're just going to choke on the one that matters. It just doesn't matter. You're like, playing, like Georgia football, same thing. The dogs in the foul. I don't know what it is with Georgia football. Like, we just can't help it. Big stuff, we choke. <laughs> but we get there, and we do, what do we We cheer. People dress up with clown hair, paint their bodies looking like crazy people. Woo! <laughs> they don't even know the person next to them. Don't need three spaces between them. How you doing? I need my space. No, if you're a fan, you're like, what's up, baby? Woo! You're, you're fist bumping, hitting people, high-fiving people you don't know. You don't even think about hand sanitizer. You just go with it. Bring that over into Christianity. And we say, hey, let's give God some praise. Well, I don't know if I can do that. It might be like two. I don't know. It might be a holy the lights or something. I don't know if people are watching on TV and stuff. They got you on the big screen, on the jumbo trunk, whatever. Come to church, it's like, I don't know if I can do that. And the reason why is because we don't really understand. We think that the world has got the direction and God is secondary. But the, reality, the world is only a perverted version of what God instituted. And so Jeremiah, he was trying to backtrack and say, well, God, I know. I mean, like, I can't talk good. I got all these issues and stuff. And I don't know. I'm young. God's like saying, it didn't stop you from getting on Facebook. Didn't stop you from Snapchat. Don't seem to be an issue on Instagram. But all of a sudden, getting on the Bible app's a problem. So Jeremiah is like, oh, man, if I got to do this, okay, God, I guess I will. And this is the kind of prophet you want. It's funny, when I get around people who ministers and stuff, here's the thing you always hear. They, most of them will say things like, if I could do something else, I would. People ask me from time to time, like, how do you know, Pastor Jody, if you're called to be a minister of the gospel? And I always say, can you do something else? What do you mean? If you can do something else, go do it. What does that mean? That means if you can't escape it, it's burdened on you, no matter what you see, no matter what mama told you, daddy told you, grandmama, grandpapa, anybody else. And you know, man, I got to do this thing called ministry. All right, then we can talk. But if you're in your mind, you say, well, no, I don't really need to. Then you ain't called. Because it is a weighty thing. And most ministers will tell you, if they could do something else, they would do it. Do you want, because the reason why, because of Jeremiah. You carry the burdens of your family and your life, plus the burden of the city it's in that you live in, plus the nation that you're a part of, and then you see the world. And God really doesn't care. He, I, mean, I don't mean it disrespectfully. He, he loves you, but he will put it on you, man. And Jeremiah had to accept this call. And sometimes this plan that God has for us, whether it be a ministry or something else, watch this, he has a plan for our lives, and sometimes it's up front, and sometimes it unfolds. So what do I mean by that? So if it's up front, it's very easy. We heard things like this before people say from the scriptures. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, right? Knock. It's a door. 
I open up a door for you or I close the door for you. Man, I'll open up a door no man can close and I'll close the door no man can open. We've heard these before. Pretty simple. You see a door, what do you do with a door? You don't look at it and go like, well, what, what? No, you walk through the door. Simple. Sometimes, though, God's plan unfolds. It's not always as clear as walking through a door. It's like reading a book. You Page one, page two, where's he going with this? But you keep reading because you've been hooked into it. Now you're like, I don't know. I don't understand. Why is this guy over here? What is that? Oh, didn't see that coming. That's how he sometimes unfolds his plan. But Israel during this time, Jeremiah didn't see everything, but he was getting it unfolded to him. And Jeremiah was getting these words from God. And it's this time, I'm going to bring it down for you a couple of things. There's the northern kingdom, southern kingdom. They're divided at this time. But the northern kingdom is destroyed. The Syrians have already went in and just ransacked it because they turned on God. They turned from God and went their own way. So now all of a sudden, here is Jeremiah preaching to the southern kingdom, Judah, and saying, listen, if we don't stop this, you see what happened to the northern kingdom. We're going down the same path. And so Jeremiah, he begins to bring these words like this, Jeremiah 2.13, listen to this, and see if it sounds familiar today. For my people have committed two evils. They have, one number one, forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, <clears throat> to hew for themselves cisterns. You know, that a cistern is just a holding tank for water. And, and we don't use them now. It's not like a well. It's a big holding tank for runoff water. Broken cisterns, mind you, not only did they create cisterns, but broken cisterns that can hold no water. They turned from God, and then they created their own method of worship that they themselves would accept. It's an interesting thing today because that's very much where we are today. People want to pick about things like, well, y'all's music is this or whatever is too loud or maybe it's, I don't like it because whatever, whatever, y'all clap or stand up or sit down or do whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter. If I, there's multiple houses of worship, they all do different things. It doesn't matter. The point is, do we worship God? That's the point. Because in our culture today, Christians say things like this. I can do whatever I want. Wrong. His word tells us otherwise. They who worship must worship in what? And in. So we can't just worship any way we want. Methodologies comes and go. They're going to change. They're going to change again. Guarantee it. We do lies and all that. It'll change. It always changes. But the heart of worship must be done in spirit and in truth. They got so far into this, this guy Jeroboam. You read about him in the, in the book of Kings. But Jeroboam decided that, man, listen, they're going to go back after the, the, David's throne and all this kind of stuff. And, man, I better, I better figure out a way for people to follow me. He was so insecure. And so he had alternative places of worship versus going to the temple where they were supposed to go. This isn't like a synagogue, totally different. Synagogues were places where they could go and teach. We, this would be somewhat, I don't know if you consider this like a synagogue, but the best thing you probably could relate to is a teaching center place of worship like we would do, sing songs, sing hymns, come and learn something about the Bible, gather with community where you live. But the temple was reserved for sacrifice for the provision of sin. That's where they were supposed to go for the sacrifice. Jeroboam decided we're going to put some stuff up so it's too hard for y'all to go to Jerusalem. It's too difficult to get up at 930 and go to church. It's too hard, you know, because, you know, we put stuff on the screen now. So it's too hard to actually like, you know, think about reading or whatever. You see what I'm saying? It's we got, whatever's comfortable, we're going to make that happen. So Jeroboam set up this in Bethel. You remember Bethel? Bethel is the, what is called Bethel. It's the house of God. It means the place where, you remember Jacob and all these different ones. That's the place where God showed up. He set up one there, a temple, 
He set another one up in the region of Tel Dan, which is what they call today, in Dan. And basically what he did there was he set this place up. And listen to what he says. In 1 Kings 12, 26, Jeroboam said in his heart. Now, you see, before I read this, how Jeremiah and all the books of the Bible line up. I told you there's about 400 years of prophetic word that's coming out right here in these prophets, major and minor. But you, we're going back to Kings to read about one of the guys that Jeremiah, that Jeremiah is prophesying against. The Bible is not chronological. It's layered. And these stories interact. They're interwoven. Okay, so Jeroboam said in his heart, 1 Kings 12, 26, now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, talking about the temple, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And they'll kill me and return to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. So the king consulted a bunch of fools, let's be honest, and made two golden calves. As if the verse in Exodus wasn't a, Ding, 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 ding. No. no, this joker made two of them and no one even thought about what he was making. He said to them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel and the other one he put in Dan. Funny thing about this is if you go to Dan, I, I've been there. If you've ever been to Gatlinburg, this is about the climate of Dan. It's up in the mountain regions. It's very beautiful, very green and lush. I mean, like, you think of Israel, you think of, like, this desert. It's not. It's, it has its places like that, yes. But Israel is a variety of elevations. It all changes so fast. In the region of Dan, it's cool climate, no humidity. It's like going to Gatlinburg, like, just beautiful mountain streams. When I say a rushing river coming out that feeds the Jordan, it's amazing. And they, they decide, hey, boys, let's, uh, you know, Jerusalem's like, up and down. The temperature fluctuates. It's on a big rock. It's mountain. It's kind of like not cool. Let's put a resort up in Dan. You can just come here and do your temple worship, okay? And all the people thought it was a great idea. I've been there. I've seen it. The ruins. They actually made the altar where they would make the sacrifices. They found animal bones and all kind of stuff there where they made the sacrifices. The play, it was actually one of the largest. They considered it to be the largest one. He didn't even make it to the size and scope that God said. He made it bigger. He didn't even actually worship on the, on the holy days or the holy months, pilgrimages and different things like God said. He actually said when God said worship in the seventh month, he made it the eighth month. It's funny how that is, isn't it? How the world will say, well, I know God says that, but here's this. And if we're not careful, we, you know, we get hooked and we go right along with them because we think that we're wrong. We feel condemned because they say this is ancient and old and like, it's out of date. You're not cool. Not true. Just because Jeroboam's are out there saying, hey, this is good. This is cool. Do it this way. It doesn't matter what the the Bible. Is it really accurate? I mean, come on. Because some professor somewhere decided to read something and tell you something doesn't mean that he's right. Funny thing is, I don't know why we listen to people who are only like, you know, within a scope of time, 120 years, but a professor who's been in however many years teaches in a, an educational center, and we're going to listen to their word over someone who's got multiple books over generations and millennia of time that lines up book by book by book, but we'll listen to that guy over his word. It's amazing. This is why his word is so important. Because when you hewn for yourself, Broken cisterns, first of all, they won't supply the need that you have. Second of all, they're broken. And that's exactly where we are today. Broken cisterns. Wondering why we can't be full. 
And I like it like this, you know, since it's Mother's Day, you know, mamas say a lot of stuff. They do, right? I mean, mamas tell you all kind of stuff, right? Eat your green beans. It's probably good advice, you know. Eat your, you know, vegetables, whatever, pick one you like, right? whatever. Mama says, hey, be home by eight, whatever. Mama says, mama says, a lot of mama says, right? The funny thing is, like, you ever heard this when you was growing up? Uh, when you said, well, all my friends are doing it. Yeah, they're going over here. Can I go? No. Well, why not? Because I said so. It's like three or four times that. Then you say that the dumbest thing you've ever thought of in your life, but you say it. But everybody else is doing it. And what does mama say? Something to this effect. Well, if everybody else goes and jumps off a, are you going to do it too? Mama said. God's word is the same way. Jesus said on the last day of that great feast, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto who? Me. So that he might be filled which he was talking about, the spirit, which hadn't been given yet. But he says, if you come to me, you'll get the spirit that you're looking for. Not broken cisterns. Living water. Jeremiah said this. Basically, it comes down to repentance. When mama tells you don't go do this, it's basically a, a crossroads in our life where we say, am I going to listen to someone who's wiser, smarter, and has more, my best interests at heart, or am I going to go my own way? It's what we call in Christianity repentance. It's a crossroads. It's where we make the decisions in our mind that says, I'm going to change my way or adjust my thinking to what God says, or am I going to go my own way? It's in the Greek, it's what we call metanoia, not metamorphosis, but metanoia, it comes from that, it's kind of like Bruce Banner, into the Hulk kind of thing, it just changes, right? It's not the best analogy, but it changes, you get what I'm saying? But it's caterpillar to a butterfly, it's a change in, in status, change in state, if you will. Metanoia, it means to change your mind or change your heart. And this is what God's word does. Every single time we read it, it, it puts you at a crossroads to repent. And we think Christianity, this word is such a negative word, and it's not. It's a very positive word. Watch what happens when Jeremiah says, if you will repent, watch this. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 13, he says, only acknowledge your iniquity. Talking about Judah. Man, listen, you've already watched these guys be destroyed. What about, why don't we just repent? And acknowledge your iniquity, that you've transgressed... Uh, you know, against the Lord your God and have scattered your favors to the strangers under every green tree. Now, that, I'm not getting into that, but if you read a different translation, you know what that means. Keep it a PG. That might be rated R. And you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. God said it about them a lot. Return, O faithless sons, declares the Lord, for I'm a master to you, and I will take you from one city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. In other words, I'm going to bring you to myself, if you will. Now, watch what he says. The first thing after they repent not the second, not the third, not the fourth, not the fifth. The first thing he says, I'm going to do for you when you repent and come back to me, he says, I will give you shepherds after what? My own heart. And what are they going to do? They're going to feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. God cares about you so much that he desires for us to understand his word that he gives you people to help break it down for you. He wants you to know he loves you and cares about you so much so that he gives you a mama as an illustration and a daddy as an illustration to say, these people love you and their natural is all get out, have flesh, have problems and issues just like everybody else, but they love you so much they would do anything for you. If you would think about how God loves you, if you would just hear my voice and turn to me, I will give you more knowledge and understanding about my ways, which will only bless the first thing he says, I'm going to give you shepherds and give you my good word, if they would just turn. 
And here's why it's so important, because Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He said, listen, if the darkness that you think you walk in, or the light that you think you walk in is actually darkness. Think about this amazing statement from Jesus. If the light that you think you have is actually darkness, and you walk in that darkness, how deep is that darkness? It's like, if you've ever been in a cave, it's the darkest. I've never experienced dark, like being in the cave that I went into. And I only went in like maybe 50, 60 feet. But I couldn't see a thing. Like literally, when I know it's dark. You say, well, you can't see anything. But you go out at night when the moon's out, you can see stuff. I was doing this. I couldn't see, I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't see it. It was the strangest thing. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness, Jesus said. What's why without repentance, we are on our own. And God will let us go on our own until we turn. And I'm not talking about deep sin. I'm talking about just simple principles in the Bible. Acknowledge me when the Lord says acknowledge me. Honor me. Honor your parents. Honor the people around you. Love your neighbor. These are basic principles of the Bible that require us to do what? Repent, change our thoughts, and adhere to what God says. And as soon as repentance comes, watch this. The first thing God says, I'm going to give you my word, light comes. And when we repent, he gives you, oh, there's the pathway. It's the door again. I see how to get out. Or it's unfolding, and I know what to, to do. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 10, 29. I know y'all probably wondering, is he going to use that scripture that I see on all the Christian postcards? and all that? Yeah, I am. I'm going to use it for you. Jeremiah 29, 10 says, For thus saith the Lord, watch this, When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you. Watch this. They went into Babylon captivity because why? They wouldn't repent. But God says, I love you so much when 70 years pass. Watch this, what the first thing he gives them. Not the second, not the third, the first. He says, I will fulfill my good, watch, word to you. To bring you back to this place, for I know the what? Plans I have for you, said the Lord. Plans of prosperity and not for calamity, to give you a hope and a future. God says, man, listen, I'm going to bless you. And yes, I got a plan for you. I got a future for you. But watch this. That plan, that future is directly tied to a repentant heart. And I'm not talking about deep, dark dungeon of sin like you in chains up to the, "Ah, I can't get out. No, I'm I'm just saying simple things. Just simple acknowledgments from God's word. We have to, I have to repent all the time. I read stuff I don't like. There's all this Bible reading we're doing. You can go through all this stuff and read stuff. I'm like, oh, come on. You know, like, I thought I was doing so good. No, here's this. What are you going to do with that? Well, I could be like the majority of Christians in America who say they're Christian and just ignore it and do my own thing. Or am I going to repent and change my mind about it? It doesn't mean I got it all right. It just means, okay, I accept what you're saying. Can you help me do that? And God will oblige. But they wouldn't repent. But then God says, if you did, when I bring you out, he knew they would have. I mean, after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, wouldn't you? They'd be like, I'll do anything. (laughs) It's like 40 years in the wilderness with manna. After that, you're like, listen, y'all jokers need to get it together because I'm tired of eating manna. I'm ready for steak or whatever I can eat under this thing. Get your stuff together, right? That's what everybody would be doing. He said, verse 12 of the same chapter, watch, he said, then the Lord says, not before. See, we get it backwards. We talk about dream, vision, all this fun stuff. We think, oh, God, give me a great car, give me a house, give me a vision, give me a business, whatever. But God says, have you, first step is this. I want to deal with this first in your life. Yeah, but I don't want to deal with that. I want this, I want that, I want that. God says, yeah, but this is where we start. Then after that, he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you search with me with your whole heart. 
when we repent, when we change our minds, God says, now when you come unto me, now I can hear you. But as long as we're, and I'm talking about, it's, it's not the stuff we don't know. It's not talking about that. There's all kind of stuff I don't know and you don't know that we do this all jacked up. We don't even have a clue how jacked up we are at times. If it weren't for the grace of God, we would can stand in here and be, be, have a moment to worship God. But it's the stuff we do know. I'm not beating us over the head about sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying just simple, simple things. Am I willing to repent and change my mind? Not talking about trying to be some perfect little holy Christian and people weird anyway. Everybody knows we don't have it together. Everybody knows we're not perfect. We all know we make mistakes. We're going to make it going out the door. Some of y'all ain't going to let your mama eat the chocolate out of the bed. You're going to eat that chocolate before she gets You're going to steal her chocolate. There you go, breaking a commandment before you can get out of the church house. We all know that we're flawed. We are messed up people. I got issues just like you. Another person that says they don't, that's their issue. Everybody has issues. We're not talking about perfection. But if I know something from God's word and I ignore it, what I know to be true, and say it does not apply. It's no different than Jeroboam setting up two golden calves. Because I know. And the only difference between I know and it changing is action. Being willing to step out and take the action with it. And when we ignore God's word, to wrap up today with this thought, I was in uh, at a race a couple, uh, two weeks ago. Some friends of ours went down to watch uh, some... some uh, Top fuel cars, just, man, crazy, 330 mile an hour cars, nuts how fast these things go. And I'm watching it, it's super crowded, because the last time they're going to do this race in Atlanta, so we're there, and I'm watching it, and all of a sudden I look around, it's really cool because there's so much diversity, it's beautiful to see all the different people, different cultures at a, at a race, which I wouldn't expect, and I thought, this is really awesome. But as I'm watching there, in the midst of all these people that I'm surrounded by, of all different cultures, different nations even, reminding me of how the world is. There's people everywhere. The stands were full. Man, listen, I'm telling you right now, there wasn't no worry about nothing. It was outside, and everybody's thinking about nothing out there. Man, they was eating hot dogs, uh, having a little beverage or two. I mean, it's funny to watch. You're sitting there going like, man, yo, man, you should be drinking water. You don't need no more of that in that cup. I can assure you, you're acting crazy already. And, but it was fun to watch. It's entertainment, you know. It's free. I thought, I'm not going home puking. I'm going to feel just fine, but you're going to have a bad night, you know. And... We were watching, laughing, just having a good time. And all of a sudden, I, I see a guy. He comes walking up to me, past me to get to his seat. And on his shirt, it says Babylon. And here's the interesting thing. It was a hand with six fingers. Didn't even have five. You may think, well, what's the big deal about that? See, here's the problem with us. We, we think, well, that's just five out of you. Know. I, I had to look this up. I didn't think, I didn't realize this. It tells you how oblivious I was to it. Because... Um, uh, I, I don't watch live TV very much, cause, not because I don't like the programming, but I, I don't know what they're going to put on the commercial anymore. It's like, good, my goodness. Shit, the commercials need ratings now. Like, what What are they thinking? Like, So Babylon, this guy, he's got six fingers. And it reminded me of like Goliath. Six fingers, six toes. Not normal. Babylon is all about the association of something outside of what is normal. They did not go with anything in God's word. And here I'm looking at this. I looked it up. Uh, there's a TV show called Babylon. Song, Lady Gaga has got a song called Babylon. And almost every single one of these connections in within the TV programming, the song program, the thing, I read about a couple of them, they twist things. 
And they make it seem normal, but it's not. They adjust it to make it just enough. It's like the frog in the boiling water scenario. You know, you put him in a cold pot, turn up the heat. He don't know it. He don't know it. He don't know it. He croaks. He still don't know it. Because he, you raise the temperature and don't realize it. And what they've done is they, they've twisted in a way that you can't tell. Now, what I'm saying to you is this. In our culture, if we're unwilling to change our mind, I'm a Christianity, and follow God's word, then we too will be pulled into the captivity of Babylon. A spiritual captivity. I'm talking about a nation may not come in and drag you out and put you. I'm not talking. Spiritually, if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? But I'm telling you right now, if you want to know more about God, if you want to see God for who he is, acknowledge his word. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Get over that. You're, going to get, you're not going to fix your life. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get all right. God's going to help you grow. You're never going to be as best as you want to be. You're going to have to let the Holy Spirit help you. But we acknowledge his word. Okay, God. I'm supposed to love my wife as you love the church. That means everybody else gets second place. That don't mean like, I may not be the Hallmark movie guy. That's my wife. I'm not. I guarantee you that. I ain't, you know. But it does mean, what does sacrifice look like? Men? Somebody told me something the other day, and I'm, really hit me kind of hard. I thought, oh man, that's deep. They said, hey, listen, you know, you got girls. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. I know I got, yeah, I got a house full of girls. And he said, you know, what they see is you. How do you treat their mama is typically the kind of guy they're going to go find. Now, brothers in the room right now, if you got a little girl, are you going to, if that don't put a little weight on the shoulders, because then you think, well, how do I want some old knot-headed boy teaching? And, you, know, you know, how do I want him treating my daughter when they get older? Knot-headed, snotty little boy. Like, what, you know, how do I want him to become the, that, he's going to turn into, how, what kind of man do I want taking my daughter into his home and creating a culture for that home? What kind and I thought, well, if they're going to look for somebody like me, I want to be the best that I can be for them. So you understand what I'm saying? What does God's word say? And this morning, even if people tell you this, that's old and ancient, because I hear that all the time. It's so silly. Y'all's Christian, this is so outdated. We're so cool. We're so enlightened today. No, you're ignorant. Last verse, I'm going to give you, Jeremiah had a word for those of us in this room. If you're conflicted with whether or not this is so ancient that it's out of date and conflicting with the culture, Jeremiah gave us also a word. I'm going to read this to you. This is from Jeremiah <clears throat> chapter 6. I just put it on the screen for you here. But Jeremiah, the last one I'll give you here, Jeremiah chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 16, watch what he says. Thus saith the Lord, not Jeremiah. Listen to what God says here. God says, stand by the way. And ask for the what? Read it. Let's say it out loud. Ask for the what? One more time like you mean it. The what? Ancient. Mama says, grandmama says, great-grandma said, that all worked. Ask for the ancient paths. And then he says this, where the good way is, and then walk in it. 
and you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we won't walk in it. I'm telling you, if, you're, if this conflicts with the culture around you, just follow this. Default to this. Because it'll save your soul and it'll also give you rest for your soul. So let me pray for you today. Would you mind closing your eyes right now and just bow your head just for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Dear Lord, I thank you for all the mamas in here who have, who have taught their children and, and trained their children. Lord, I pray for those in here right now that maybe have regrets or maybe they're not here with their mother or maybe there's some conflicting their thing with the relationships. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would just give them peace. Lord, that you would love on them right now. Lord, let them know and just release all that from their lives in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that maybe they're conflicted with the culture around them. They're, they don't know which way to go because culture is saying one thing and your word says another. God, I pray in the name of Jesus today, Holy Spirit, help them make the choice to follow you. If they don't know you today, I pray that they would pray this prayer and come to Christ today with your eyes closed, just right where you are. If you're watching online as well, I want to pray a prayer for you. You say, I don't know Christ, but I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just simply just pray this prayer with me right now whole church is going to pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, I come with you today and I ask you to save my life, to forgive my sin, to be my Lord. In Jesus' name, I repent and I turn to you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Church, right? Give me a hand, would you? Awesome, awesome, awesome. If you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you online as well. On the screens right there, they'll see something that says connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you need help getting started walking with Christ or you need some help in discipleship in any way possible, let us know, man. We'd love to help you get started walking with God. Before we go today, we always like to speak this over our church before we leave. If you don't mind just standing up, I just don't know. I'm going to do it a different day before you leave. Just stand up to your feet. I'll, I just thought I'd mix it up a little bit. See, I thought you were going to sit down just one more minute, but I'm going to speak this over you before we leave, okay? Standing up. So you stand up in front of the Lord, not me, in the Lord's presence. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you so much. Y'all enjoyed the photo booth outside. Love on your mama. Don't eat her chocolate. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.